answering your tough financial questions for the past 26 years. It's Allworth's Money Matters with co-hosts Scott Hansen and Pat McLean. Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call. To join Allworth's Money Matters, call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to All Worst Money Matters. I'm Pat McLean. Thanks for joining us this weekend, or if you're a podcast listener, whenever you happen to be uh, listening. Um, as we talked about in uh, last week's episode, uh, Scott Hansen is off um, for a few days taking care of um, one Some of his... family issues. Yeah, there's yeah. Uh, medical issues in his family. Not his wife or his children. They're all fine. Um, but... Um, some of his extended family is not doing well, and he is spending some time with them. So in his stead, I have the uh, most intelligent... Um, Killing me. <laughs> David Shower, uh, who is uh, a relatively new father, which is fun to watch. Um, it's fun to be. Yeah, it's fun to watch. Uh, <laughs> how old is your... So David's he's background, about, oh, oh, before we get into David's yep. background, is he's been with uh, Allworths for 22 years, uh, joined us right out of college, uh, certified financial planner, chartered financial analyst, and a master's in an MS in finance or... Close enough. All right. So anyway, uh, highly educated and works with... Um, a lot of our clients, a lot of, uh, especially um, the more, I think it's fair to say you, the more complicated the situation, the more you like it. Is that a fair statement than the yeah, complex? Yeah, I think that's, complex. that's a relatively fair statement. So uh, anyway, so David is uh, helping me man the mics today and take the questions. Um, we're going to take a lot of calls uh, this week. So if you'd like to join the show, we'd love to have you on. Love's a strong word. We'd like it a lot. We'd enjoy it. We, uh, correct. We People use love a lot. But it's just, <laughs> yeah, it's very loose now. It is pretty yes. loose. Uh, so uh, yeah, we'd like it if you would join the show. It's 833-99-WORTH. It's 833-999-6784. And uh, we'll get you on the air and answer your question to the best of our ability. And... Um, Someone said uh, years ago, I'm looking for an unbiased opinion. And I thought about it, and I'm like, the, the best opinions are actually, well, by its very well, nature. I was going to say, is there an unbiased opinion? Yeah, by, by its very nature, um, it, an opinion is biased. Now, there's statements of fact, which is part of what financial planning is. There's tax code. Right. And that's the code. Right, but even then, there you have perspectives, uh, you have shades, you, you have, have private gray, letter rulings, yeah, exactly. you have all that. Yeah. Um, so, if you'd like a biased opinion, and by by bias meaning hours, uh, hours, and formed after many years of meeting with people just like yourself, give us a call at eight three three ninety nine worth, and let's talk with. You know, Scott normally operates the board like this, where he clicks on the button. So, uh, wish me luck. And that's um, I don't know why he does it, and I don't. <laughs> Come to think of it, I'm doing I do a much better job than he does. Now that we mention it, uh, let's talk to Rosie in California. Rosie, thanks for joining. All worse money matters. Hi, thanks for speaking with me, and best wishes to Scott and his family. I oh. hope everything. Um, Works out for him. Oh, well, uh, I appreciate that. Okay. I, uh, I I did receive a, um, a voicemail from him uh, earlier in the day, and uh, things have stabilized, and they and they are on the mend. So, uh, and we appreciate your sentiments. What can we do for you? So, I am about three years from retirement, and so my husband and I are starting to make some plans. 
We recently downsized our um, primary residence, and we're going to have some earnings from that, but we're a little bit wary of buying into the stock market right now because it is at a historic Hi, so I just wondered what you thought about that. Um, so uh, let's let's ask a, a couple background questions before we get to the answer. Did you purchase a new home? Yes, we we have a home, and one of the first things we will do is pay off the mortgage on the on the you know the downsized home for sure. Okay, yeah. and so how much do you owe on the downsized home? Um, about four hundred thousand. And and what were your proceeds from the sale of your, uh, uh, I'll call it your first home or your priest downsized home, your your uh, your McMansion? How much were the proceeds from the sale of that? So luckily, we were able to ride the boom here in California, and we had bought in quite a while ago. So we are going to get about a million dollars. And what's uh, what's stopping you from just paying down this mortgage now? Well, we we um, oh, why haven't we paid it down yet? Because Correct. we 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 had bought this second home as our retirement home. Okay. Knowing that eventually eventually we would sell the sell the larger place. Okay. Uh, so. Um, I would take uh, $400,000 from uh, the proceeds from the sale of the large home, and I would pay off the second home right away. Yes. Which leaves you 600000 What? Yeah, we have a 3.75% mortgage, so uh-huh. yeah, we're going to get rid of, rid of that. Okay. And, w- and what other assets, liquid assets, do you have? Um, we are both pretty good savers. So I have a um, Vanguard account where I've got about 70% in the total market and 30% in the bond fund of about 250000 And I also have a three-year CD at about 85000 And that's a CD that I cannot get anymore. It's a three... 3.54 three-year CD, which is no longer ava- available. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then my husband has about 300000 in a brokerage account, in primarily in high-dividend stocks. And does he have any money in IRAs or uh, 401ks or anything like that? Yes. Both of, uh, both of us, the most of our stock holdings are in IRAs. And how much a dollar amount? So he, I, mine is, all of mine is in an IRA. That's about 224000 in the IRA. And then he has, actually his, he has 200 in a brokerage and about eighty five in an IRA. And he's self-employed. So he, he just started a SEP IRA that he started to make contributions to. Okay. And you, uh, will any of you be receiving, you or your spouse be receiving a pension in retirement? Yes. I have a pretty good government pension and he is, has his own business. So he's, Okay. He will not have a pension. So here's what. So here's what we would. Here's what we would do. And do you work for the state or a municipality? I I have a municipal pension. Okay. Yes. And you're still employed. Yes. Okay. So here's what you. Here's what. And I'm going to give you some direction, but I can't definitively tell you uh, exactly what to do because. It's the constraints of a radio show. So you have a million dollars in the proceeds from the sale of a house, and you have $400,000 that you have on a mortgage, right? Right. And you're like, what do I do? Well, I'd pay that mortgage off immediately. The minute that million dollars hit my account, I'd just take it and pay that mortgage off. Then I would turn around, and I would increase your contributions into your pension plans, your you probably have what's called a 457 and a 401k available to you through your employer. Mm-hmm. So you could put in about $60,000 a year. Yeah, just just about. Yeah, you could basically put a, almost, my guess is 
a good percentage, if not all of your income, into uh, your retirement plan and receive a tax deduction for that. And then I would turn okay. around. I'd turn around and I would uh, I wouldn't use a SEP for your husband's uh, work. I would use uh, Unicay because it has higher limits on does it. Does he have Does he have an employee or any employees? No. Okay. okay. So you you wouldn't use the SEP. You'd use a self employed four hundred one k because it has higher income limits and higher uh, contribution limits. And because he doesn't okay. have any employees, it's easy to use. Uh, every bit as easy as the SEP. And I would maximize all three of those things. And then you're going to say, well, Pat, what do we live on? Say that. You're supposed Pat, to... <laughs> what will we live on? Rosie, what you're going to live on is you're going to take some of that $600,000 that you have in your savings account and you're going to move it into your checking account and live on it for the next three years while you're making these maximum contributions into the 457, 401k and 401k for your husband. Okay. Right. So it's kind of convoluted. You, it, the tax law just doesn't allow you to take this money out of this proceeds from the sale of the house and stuff it into these retirement plans. But you're doing it kind of a back doorway, which is it's coming out of your paycheck, but you're making up the loss in your paycheck from the proceeds of the house. And I, furthermore, I would say, what okay. is your what is your total income? We're in the maximum tax bracket. Okay, so, so we have a pretty good yeah, you're, income. You're making yeah. pretty good income. So you're thinking of uh, David? Well, I, I was thinking if, if she. So his IRA could roll into the solo K. That's right. Her IRA could roll into her employer-sponsored plan. Right, she and would then have you no make, IRAs. And then you would make non-deductible IRA contributions Correct. and convert them to Ross. And convert them to Ross annually for both of them. I don't. Is there a is there an income limit on the Roth no, conversion? No, no. But but remember, what happens okay. is what the problem you'd run into is if you didn't convert your IRAs back to your four hundred one k, that when you did the conversion for a non deductible IRA to a Roth IRA, it actually converts at a pro rata basis, which would cause a taxable event. And the way to get around that is to get rid of all your IRAs. Well, how do you get rid of them? You move them back to the four hundred one k. You move them into your four hundred one k. Or for your husband, you move him into his solo K. Into his solo K. And you should, depending upon your plan, have ample, not the, not like the universe of investment opportunities, although you could, if you had what's called a self-directed brokerage account, have the same access on both sides of the equation. But it, then you're going to make a non-deductible IRA contribution and convert it to a Roth the very next day. For each of you. For each of you. So we have effectively taken between the, Four techniques, probably a hundred thousand dollars oh, yeah. a year, and made it some sort of tax advantage while you're drawing down this money sitting in the account from the proceeds of the sale of the house. Would you say okay. it's re would, would you say it's reasonable to say that in your retirement you will be in a lower bracket than you are today? I'm not certain of that because my husband actually loves his business and he has no plans to cut back. I'm saying once um, he retires. Once he retires. Um, sure. Yeah. It would, yeah and what's it, what if it's the same? No, no, no. no I'm just, uh, well, I, I'm not arguing with you. No, no. I'm just saying I think there's an additional benefit by doing this, looking forward and saying chances are it sounds like being in the highest bracket that's not going to be the situation in retirement so there's going to be an additional benefit by pulling money out now in a lower bracket and putting more money in at a higher bracket that today that, cor correct it's not gonna it's not gonna hurt anything it can only help it helps today and it most right. certainly uh, leads to a higher probability of helping in the future but most certainly over the next three years it helps significantly so if we okay. were sitting in our office, we'd say, okay, here's how we're going to work this. The mechanics, Rosie, is that you're going to take this money, the proceeds from the sale of the home, pay the mortgage down immediately, put the money into an online bank, start a monthly distribution from the online bank into your checking account in order to replace the income that we're sucking out of your paycheck to go into these company plans. Are you okay? Are you so you, you so what I want you to do is get our podcast and listen to this. Uh, a couple times and make notes because we covered a lot of ground in a relatively short period of time. And there would even be a solution yeah. eventually uh, once she retires, if they wanted to maintain that threshold of savings, what he could do through his employer 
if he wanted to start looking at you know other you know defined benefit oh. plan or something like that for himself. Yeah, you, which it would be the next step. Right. It would be a defined benefit plan, and it may actually make sense now based upon it your may. income. It may, but um, but let's e- start ease, here. Ease into this. Yeah, yeah. Start here. So uh, so we covered we covered in about five minutes what we would have with graphs and diagrams and uh, <laughs> face-to-face conversations, uh, a lot of ground. So I want you to go back and listen to the podcast and make notes and have your husband listen. Um, and it will make sense to you uh, once you listen to it a couple times. But it is, you, you have set up like the trifecta of, uh, of financial planning tools that are available to you. Partially, because you have $600,000 in cash to work with, and partially because you're uh, employed by a, a municipality that has both a 457 and a 401k, and partially because your husband is self-employed, and partially because you have a fairly good understanding how this works. All righty? Yes, and he will be very happy about that because, as you know, living in, the, living in California, we, um, we pay the we pay a premium in taxes, so he will be happy to hear about some t- ways to to um, it, it, reduce the tax burden it, for sure. It will reduce it significantly. And uh, yes, I mean, if it wasn't for the fact that California is so dang beautiful, um, they would never be able to get away with hiring these right? taxes. So appreciate the call. <laughs> Good luck to you. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy retirement. Um, that was a lot of ground. There. It was. So, so I, was, I was holding back from, do we go, even go define benefit plan? But, you know, we'll throw it out there and then they can. They can run with it. So yeah. if you're listening to that call and you're thinking, I didn't catch it all, you're okay. Um, because that truly was uh, just, um, you know. And she called to ask a question about the proceeds of a sale <laughs> of, uh, of a house. Of a house and what she should do with it. And at the end of the day, um, how she should use the tax benefits of the code behind her where every bit is important, if not more important than the assets that it would land in. So we're going to go back to the calls. Let's talk to, and if you'd like to join this show, uh, we would um, entertain uh, you joining the show. We will get you uh, on the air. You don't even have to use your real name. If some people are like, yeah, sometimes it's too personal. Yes, personal questions, uh, which is the whole point of personal financial planning is it personal. It's your financial plan. Um, you can call the show and you can use a fake name if you want. It doesn't matter to us. We're not going to capture your email address or your name and you know call you and harangue you or anything. We're just going to answer your question and move on. So if you'd like to call the show, it's 833-999. Six seven eight four. It's uh, eight three three nine 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 six seven eight four, and that's a toll free number in case you don't uh, have. In case you're one of the last two people in America that don't have unlimited calling on your uh, phone. Do you remember I was thinking about that the other night about um, about how when I was growing up, and you might be uh, too young. How we used to call my grandmother after like seven o'clock on a Sunday night because that's when the rates dropped. Oh, because she was long distance. Because she was yeah, long distance. Yeah, no, I remember long distance. Do you remember the long distance? Oh, yes. And that, it, and that's, you know, it was a regulated environment. It was uh, regulated by the PUC. And, in fact, uh, the company, um, I think I've talked to him about it on the air before, which is uh, Sprint was one of the uh, first uh, deregulated um, uh, phone companies. And it was, uh, it was a spinoff from Southern Pacific Railroad. Hmm. That's what Sprint stands okay. for, Southern Pacific Railroad Internetwork Telecommunications. Wow. And so they got tired of actually uh, paying these exorbitant fees to the phone company, and someone's like, you know, we, we, got, a, we, got, a, <laughs> we got a line that doesn't have any, uh, any intersections in it uh, between these major offices. Why don't we just throw a cable down next to the railroad? Interesting. And there, someone's like, yeah, why don't we That's just a bad throw, idea. throw a cable next to the railroad? A little bit more technical than throwing a cable, and um, started as an own internetwork telecommunications, and there you go. So there's some useless trivia that you've got uh, will serve no value to you whatsoever. Let's talk to Jeffrey in Sacramento. Jeffrey, thanks for joining All Worth Money Matters. Hey guys, thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. Sure. What can we do for you? Hey, uh, just a little background on me. Um, I'm 55 years old, single. 
no children, and um, I plan to retire in between seven and ten years. Um, I work for the government, um, earn about seventy-eight thousand a year. Uh, state, federal, um, uh, municipality, state, state, state? yes, yeah, state. Okay. Yeah, uh, I'm only thirteen years into my career, so I only have about sixty-eight thousand dollars in my Calpers pension plan. Okay, uh, I have another fifty-eight hundred in a four hundred one k and about. About ten thousand in savings. Okay. Um, I own a home. It's worth about three sixty. Still owe about two sixty eight on it. Okay. What's the and interest rate? I also have uh, four. Okay. Uh, and I have student loan debt of about forty thousand. So um, I'm trying to devise a plan to prepare for retirement, and I have a plan A, plan B, and plan C. I want to get your opinion on which would serve me best. Let's go in the, in retirement. So plan A would be um, putting all available money, paying off the student loan, which would in which would include stopping paying on my four hundred one k for about three years. I can eliminate that debt in three years or two years if I put that ten thousand I have in cash on a student loan. And then revert to plan B, which is putting all available money on the mortgage to get it paid off. Uh, And I can do that in 15 years. Or plan C, pay the minimum on the loan and the mortgage, put all I can in the 401k um, to uh, be a little more comfortable in retirement. So my... I guess my question is, at this stage of my life, which of these three plans would benefit me most? Okay. Uh, is it even is it even important to pay off the house? Yeah. Uh, so at least I can do it at seventy. Yeah. So let's uh, let's let's walk through this. A uh, couple other questions for you. One: uh, Are you in a uh, are you a safety worker, or uh, so do you have a two or two and a half or three uh, percent at fifty five pension? It's. Uh, Two and a half at 55. Okay, two and a half at 55, and you'll have, uh, we're going to assume that you work another 10 years, so you have 23, and your income is $78,000. And are you uh, eligible for Social Security? Do you pay into Social Security now, or have you ever right. paid into Social Security? Yes, yeah, I've, I've been paying on uh, paying into it um, from the beginning, so. Okay. Um, I think... Uh, you should maximize your 401k um, and not worry about paying this mortgage down ever, 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 ever. ever. And okay. what's your minimum payment on the student loan? Student loan, uh, it's it's an extended payment, so it's three or four a month uh, over about twenty years. And what's the interest rate? Now I did. Uh, I have three loans. One is one is. Six point eight. The other two are six point five five. Let me just throw out a a different thought. Um, it would be to pay off your plan per pay pay off the student loan over let's call it two years. Um, target paying down your home to the point at which you and once again this we have to make some assumptions here, but to the point at which you can do a reverse mortgage. In retirement, assuming your pension and Social Security, between the two, do you, roughly in ten years, do you have an estimate of what those would be? Um, yeah, I did crunch those numbers. I think in, gosh, I didn't bring that sheet so, of paper with me, but but um, in seven years, I would get about forty-eight point six percent of my gross uh, pay. Okay. Okay. So, so Scott, uh, uh, David, we're, uh, we, we're we're running out of time, but we're almost on the same page here. Okay. And and the the, the page we're on is look. Go ahead and uh, accelerate the payments on the uh, student loans because uh, those are going to live with you forever. Don't worry about the mortgage and just hope that you can qualify for a reverse mortgage at some point in the future, or that you downsize into a different geographic area that's more affordable for you to live in, and make the maximum contributions to your four hundred one k. And go okay, so heavy. Eliminate the, uh, eliminate the student loan. Eliminate student loans. Don't worry about the mortgage and put as much as you possibly can into your 401k. 
Okay. All righty. Sounds great. All right. Appreciate Sounds the call. Thank you much. Thanks. We will be back right after this. You've worked hard. And a lot of people believe that being described as a hard worker is one of the best compliments you can receive. It means you follow through. You're reliable. You have discipline. These are all great qualities. So besides a paycheck and a compliment, what's your reward for all that hard work? The chance to build some security, or maybe the opportunity to only work at something you love. But nothing is certain, except that you enhance your odds of success if you work hard and plan. That's what most people who work hard believe. And that's what the folks at Allworth Financial believe. To reward your hard work and to help you retire better, Allworth Financial offers people who are within five years of retirement a free planning session with one of our credentialed advisors. Just go to allworthfinancial.com. Because while hard work may be its own reward, that doesn't mean you don't deserve something more. Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Welcome back to Allworth's Money Matters with uh, Pat McLean and David Chower. Uh, as I had mentioned earlier in the show, um, Scott is out for a little bit taking care of a uh, relative that is uh, dealing with some health uh, issues and uh, his his family is his wife and his children are fine, but he is um, in Southern California helping another family member, and that is why Mr. Hanson, Scott Hanson, is not here today. He is still fully part of the team, and I actually uh, received a voicemail from him earlier today that said that um, things are improving. Things are improving, and uh, he was optimistic for his uh, relatives. So, uh, because of HIPAA laws, we are not allowed to discuss much more than that. <laughs> Right. Oh boy. The HIPAA laws. Um, so we're going to take some calls. We're going to start um, in taking calls in California, and then we're going to spread out from there. And uh, and I mentioned before, if you're a podcast listener, you can um, call in and we'll actually schedule a time. You can call at any time and you'll get a voicemail and we'll schedule a time for your uh, question to be answered on the air. So uh, oftentimes we'll tape these during the week, and sometimes we do them on the weekends. It's all over the board, but we try to make ourselves available for the people that have the questions to get them answered. So if you have a question, it's 833-99-WORTH, 833-99-WORTH. We're going to talk with Thomas in California. Thomas, what can we do for you? Yes, my question is about uh, how to fund a new IRA, uh, but I want to convert it. But I have existing 401ks and SEP IRAs. So my, I have two 401ks from work, a SEP IRA that exists. My wife has a past work 401k and a recent work IRA. But what I want to do is take advantage of my current situation and plan for the future. So my question is, do I need to, uh, what you call, when I do a conversion, do I have to convert all of the other stuff because there's significant appreciation I don't want to pay all that taxes. Are you so are you currently started you here? Are you currently participating in a four hundred one k or is it the SEP? Four hundred one k. Okay. What's your income? Uh, about two. And is that family income? Both you and your spouse? No, it's about three family income. Okay. All right, David. Do you want to walk? Yeah. Us what, through? I, what I would do is roll your SEP IRA into your existing four hundred one k. Your wife, it doesn't sound like have an IRA, correct? She just has a four hundred one k. No, she has an IRA. Yeah, she does. She has an IRA, but she has a, an existing yep. 401k. That she's still employed at. Yep. She, okay. she still has access yep. to it. She okay. Put money I, w- I would move both of your respective IRAs into your employer-sponsored plans. If I understand where you're going is you're looking for ways to get money into Roths. You would then, now yep. that you have IRAs zeroed out, you would, con- you would make your contributions to your IRAs, each of you, to the maximum uh, amount possible. Uh, and then you would immediately, and when I say immediately, the next day, convert that money to the Roth IRA. And in essence, it's not a taxable event. It's You're converting it, but because you're converting after-tax money, there is nothing to pay taxes on uh, unless you earn something between the contribution and the conversion. Which is unlikely since it's a day. So, 
the only way this works without a big tax time bomb is if you take your existing IRAs and you convert them to your company 401ks. And the reason behind that is if you don't do that, your deductible IRAs and the conversion of the non-deductible IRAs convert to the Roth on a pro rata basis, which means that you will actually set yourself a tax trap and then fall into it. And that's why you yep. essentially clean up all the IRAs first, open up an IRA for one day, make a non-deductible IRA contribution, then convert to a Roth IRA. Okay. That all makes sense. All right. It's easy, huh? <laughs> yes, once somebody tells you. Okay. All right. Appreciate the call. <laughs> Thank you. So it, it's uh, it's a is, great it's a great strategy. Yeah. I'm I'm just I'm waiting for the day that that strategy gets plugged. Yeah. The uh, the loophole. Yeah. The loophole. Yeah. So I went to uh, my, you know, my wife and I, uh, empty nesters after 20, what, seven? Let me think. 26 years, uh, empty nesters. We went to Europe and, um, and did some, uh, we actually went to Italy, uh, my wife and I, by ourselves, just the two of us for 10 days, which was... Uh, Pleasant, I'm sure. Yeah, it was kind of. It was nice. It was. Yeah, you know, we got we got along pretty well. Um, which I did really, quite frankly. That's a long time, you know, without raising four children. The kids are always kind of the center and the, the whole bit. And then when you go to a foreign country and the kids aren't there and there's not the, you know, things. Anyway, it went great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's clear, clear as smoke right there. That's, <laughs> but I did get to see a loophole. Oh. A real loophole. So we were in a medieval town. Uh, the one, a medieval town that had been the largest continuous. I, I, I knew there was something at the end of this story. Uh, okay, so the term loophole. Where did that start, Pat? You know. <laughs> no, I don't. Go ahead. Oh, really? Yeah. So it is um, in a castle, those long, tall, skinny uh, holes that you shoot an arrow through mm. were called loopholes, right? And uh, the arrow somehow, the name was uh, loop or whatever around there. I don't know what the, the English translation, but it, whatever language. But that's where um, the term loophole came from. And so we were in a medieval castle uh, outside of it. It's actually in Italy in, uh, where were we? I sound pretentious now, um, <laughs> which was what I was going for. <laughs> um, we saw uh, real loopholes, and it was this, it was a, where were Was that we? the reason for your trip, Pat? Is to see the loophole. Yes. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, but you, you do, real, you know, you realize in America versus many parts, I'm not as well-traveled as most, but how really efficient uh, the Americans actually really are kind of pretty efficient in how we get through uh, society with the exception of our transportation versus the European transportation. But that was so exciting to me to see a real loophole, <laughs> not just a tax loophole. So when, people, when people ask you about your trip, that's where you go first. <laughs> it's a loophole. A real loophole. Have you ever seen a real loophole? Yes, which is actually I, by its very nature, it's just a hole. So it's possibly <laughs> that absence. Uh, let's go to the phones. If you'd like to join the show, it's, Eight three three worth We're talking with Jackie in uh, Cincinnati, Ohio, the home of the uh, world-famous Chili, um, for whatever reason. And the Bengals. Well, the Bengals isn't... But you, how many Chili stores are there in Cincinnati, uh, Jackie? Um, uh, I've, I've never gone to Skyline. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I know everybody tells me that. You know, home of the famous chili. I don't like chili, so yes. <laughs> okay. We do have Skyline Chili here. You do. I... And uh, we'd rather not have the Bengals. Okay. <laughs> the Reds are fine. All right. The Reds are fine. Yeah. Well, you got, you got, you know, you got a lot going for you. Um, so what can we do for you? Yes. Well, okay, I've got a question. Um, I don't have any um, bonds, but... I know everybody says, well, you should have some, but I've never really understood, okay, 
when is it a good time to buy them? When it shows that they're very low, paying very low, that they'll go up, and and do you, can you sell them at any time, and um, ah. or do you just do you hold them, or well, or do you just buy a bond fund, or maybe you don't own a bond, maybe you yeah. don't own a bond. Um, and, I don't right or, now. No, and maybe you should never own a bond. That's mm-hmm. my point. So let's talk mm-hmm. about what you do own, what you think about, what your risk tolerance is, and then determine whether a bond is appropriate. And we'll actually describe how bonds work and what they mean. So how old are you? I'm retired. I'm in my 70s. Okay. And <laughs> your portfolio is 100% in stocks. Just about. Okay. And um, cash. How much, How much in cash? cash? Uh, let's see. Maybe maybe 200000 Out of? Out of almost a million. Okay. So let's think about this. Let's talk about the cash. You owned a bond in your, in your portfolio. Um, uh-huh. you, you essentially own. You, it's cash. It's cash, right? You lent that money to someone. Uh-huh. You just decided to lend okay. it to them um, maybe a, a day at a time or a week at a time. But it is um, right. – you've lent them money. So mm-hmm. when you think about equities or stocks or stock mutual funds, that is ownership. You own the factors of production. When you think mm-hmm. about bonds or savings accounts, that's loanership. You're loaning someone money. You're loaning it to – a bank you're loaning it to a government okay. you're loaning it to a person person you're loaning it to a company um you're loaning it to a municipality so mm-hmm. effectively you own your portfolio right now is 80 percent equities from what you've told us and 20 percent mm-hmm. in bonds yep all right yeah so the question is do you need more bonds in the portfolio do you How- live off the portfolio no and do you no, plan on living I don't off use the portfolio? That money. You no. Pl- and how long planning is planning on planning on um, d- it's divided on beneficiary with my kids? And is the eight hundred that's no. in uh, equities is that all in a retirement account? Some of it in a retirement account? No. None of it? No. Some of it is um, uh, individual stocks that I've owned myself, and then. Um, um, mutual funds. How, a, couple of, a couple of mutual funds. How long have you owned these equities? 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years? Um, over 30 years. And when when we went through the... So finan- I've, I've been through some ups and downs. And how did you react? <laughs> I cried. <laughs> did you do it? Did, um, not how did you actually, react emotionally? How did you react well, in your portfolio? The last one, 2007, I was with a friend of mine and we were in Sicily and she said, well, at least we spent some of it. <laughs> did you change the portfolio? Did you sell anything at that point? I did not. I did not. I did not because um, this uh, one uh, investment show that I listened to um, faithfully while they were on the air in Cincinnati and they would say, don't do anything right now. Just sit tight. Okay. Don't do anything. And if it really bothers you, don't even look at your portfolio. And so you that's did what that. I did. Yep. So, um, <laughs> and this money, it sounds like is being invested for your kids. Yeah. So pretty much. I, so I, I don't think you need to do anything. I don't think you need to do a thing. Right. Okay. I don't think. And, the, and and remember, so when we talk about risk in a portfolio, it, it it your risk and my risk are two different things. Right. Mm-hmm. My risk tolerance and your risk tolerance are two different things. I'll give you an example. I have been married to the same beautiful lady for 34 years who is an accountant, has a degree in business, but our risk tolerances are significantly different. And during the crisis the economic crisis, I I go to pick up my keys one day to, to leave for work, and I see an, a long written note with a lot of our holdings in our portfolio highlighted with a note that says, Pat, can you take a look at these? I'm not certain we should own these in the portfolio, right? 
This mm. is my wife. Mm. And she knows what I do. Um, yeah. <laughs> and little, little did she know I was actually buying more of the same stuff that had fallen in value because it was a tremendous value at that point in time. So I did what every good husband should do and completely ignored the note um, like it never happened. And about a week and a half later, she came to me and she said, you know, I uh, left you a note. What, what do you think about getting rid of those positions? And I said, well, n- no, we're not going to get rid of them because they're, we're going to own them for a long, long, long time. Right. That's what they're designed for. The value right. is going to go right. up and down over a period of time and it will be OK. Um, and by the way, just as a matter of fact, I bought some more of the stuff that fell in value because it was even more attractive after it fell in value than it was before. And she, she mm-hmm. stayed with it. And fortunately, had every investor done that through the downturn in the market, they'd be fine. They'd be fine. And if they said, well, I need, to take, I need to take income from that. Well, that's what the bond portion of the portfolio is for, is to take income oh. from the. So what you want to do when you're doing this is maybe you put the portfolio 75% uh, stocks and 25% bonds or cash. And just manage it mm-hmm. that, which means that as the market goes up, you sell more of the stocks. And as the market goes down, you buy more of the stocks. And you have this money in cash. I'm hoping that you have it in either in a short-term interest rate environments of short-term government or U.S. bonds um, or municipals or anything better than like your local bank or you have it at an online bank. But the idea that you own 80% doesn't scare me at all based upon how you reacted to our questions. Um, okay. I would just, yeah. I wouldn't load up anymore on the equities. And you may even turn your equities into paying dividends to cash. That yeah. would be a way to slowly. Right. And I thought of that. And I thought, I mean, the stocks that I have myself and that I bought are all dividend stocks. And I've always let them just be reinvested. I've never stopped that because I don't need it. Yeah. But I would, so, I would, and I don't have any debt. I don't own a car. I mean, I, I don't pay for a car. I, I own my house yeah. and uh, I don't have credit card debt. So I, but I would not like, I think I'd probably know. stop the dividend reinvestment. Um, and if you wanted to reinvest, really? yeah, I would, because you're buying more of the same and, and you may not need more of the same. You want, might want a more broadly diversified portfolio. And by stopping the dividend mm-hmm. reinvestment doesn't mean that you're not going to buy more equities. It's just that you're going to buy different equities. In probably a broader base, I'd buy the S. I'd take the dividends. Probably buy the S and P five hundred if I was going to buy equities. And then the other thing I'd look at um, from a financial standing plan point is that if you were doing any charitable contributions whatsoever, I would be using your required minimum distribution out of the IRA and have the dollars go directly to the charities. Mm-hmm. And if you're doing more than that, I would consider gifting some of those appreciated shares to a charitable trust, right? Uh, a char- so if you're gifting more than your qualified uh, limit for, for RMDs. For your required minimum distributions, I would look at gifting some of those appreciated shares into a trust, uh, a charitable trust in order to give to charities. And if, in fact, one of my kids needed the help right now and you were comfortable, I would consider gifting some <laughs> of those shares over to them now while they're living. Um, yeah, I thought I, I kind of I, – that kind of passed my mind, you know, through my mind. But uh, – um, and I was thinking of that, you know, maybe uh, just once a year, just giving them a little bit of stock, you know, yep. money. So or cash, or you stock. could give them stocks. Are your kids in a higher or lower tax bracket than you? Um, uh, one of them is a higher. Okay. <laughs> and uh, the other two are probably about, you know, probably lower than mine. Okay, well, then you would consider, you know, cash to the one in the higher and, and shares in the ones to the lower. Exactly. And uh, uh, the only thing that I would caution you this is you, you, you've got to be comfortable with what they're going to do with the money because yeah. Um, yeah. You, you, if you're not, then wait until you're dead to give it to them because it's not worth the, the aggravation. I had a client that gave their son all kinds of money and the kid showed up three weeks later in a red Corvette, just souped yep. up. And I've it just, seen that story already. <laughs> yeah, it crushed the parents. It crushed it because they would never. Now I have another client tells me all the time they're going to fly first class. I'm like, really? And they say, yeah, my kids will when they get the money. So it's up to you. <laughs> um, so anyway, what a beautiful job you've done, uh, Jackie. 
Thank um, you. So uh, <laughs> okay. we we appreciate the well, call. Well, thank you. I love I love listening to you guys on the internet. Uh, every time I get an email from you, I always listen to oh. what you guys have to say. Oh well, thank you, thank you, thank you. And if you get yeah. an opportunity, uh, and you get an opportunity to rate our podcast, um, we would appreciate it. So thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I'm going to pass it. I, I just was thinking of this. I'm going to pass it to a, a co-worker, former coworker, because she's uh, single and um, she is, you know, in her last years of working. And she always, she always emails me, you know, uh, you know, who do you think I should listen to in that? So I'll, I'm going to forward your email to uh, to her and and let her start oh. listening too. Well, pre- well I you. appreciate that. that. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Yeah. We're going to talk with Tim. Tim. Thanks for joining Allworths uh, Money Matters. Hey, Tim, what can we do for you? Well, I um, had a question about uh, 1031 exchanges. And um, actually, a couple of questions, but I want to start with, uh, is it possible to do a 1031 exchange uh, without using a qualified intermediary? I don't. I, I've never seen it. I, it might be, but I've never done it. I... Okay. I would never, I would never even consider it uh, without an intermediary. So, can okay. you do it? Well, I I assume that if you set up a, there's a holding account. Um, so it, it might it, you might be able to. The, the rules seem pretty simple, you know, the time frames and all that, and they just don't want you to touch the money. Um, but I get the sense that they're forcing you to, to go to an inter- intermediary for bureaucratic reasons, but. That was that was my question. And the second question was about um, the is it a tax deferral or is there a stepped up basis when you do an exchange? Deferral. It's a deferral in, until it's a, def- it's a deferral. Yeah. The, the only time you're going to get a stepped up basis was is if it's an, uh, in an economic opportunity, opportunity, opportunity zone. zone. And then uh, it's even more. Yeah, it's convoluted because yeah, it's, it's staggered in over the holding period. And since you're actually selling out of it. Um, and that would be a little bit, and the and the other the only other time you'd get a step up in basis is at death, right? But but even okay. then you'd it would possibly require you to recapture um, some of the depreciation. Okay, that answer your questions. That is that's it. Okay, all, all right. right, and so here's what a uh, little warning: uh, I would stay away from tenants in common ticks. I don't know if you've looked at those, um, but uh, if someone approaches you with a tick, a tenant in common, uh, I would steer far, far away with those. What else would I stay away from on this thing? I would make sure that if it's a property you're going to manage, that um, that it doesn't um, ruin your retirement um, by managing a property that right. is uh, cumbersome and um, and needy. Well, yeah, I have several properties, and I've got a lot of equity in them, and I'm looking to use the equity. But this one in particular, I'm not anticipating any or much appreciation. So I thought I could, you know, get rid of it and look for a couple of properties I could put the uh, proceeds into. Like the idea. And yeah, I like the idea. So appreciate appreciate the call. You bet. Thank you. Uh, we're going to talk to Chip. Chip, thanks for joining Allworths Money Matters. What can we do for you? Thanks. Uh, good to be with you guys. I've got a question, more of a strategy question. I just have gone through a, um, a life event that has changed my financial situation, and I have cash that I'm ready to deploy into bonds. But it feels like Moving that cash today doesn't make sense considering bonds are at a peak. Would you recommend dollar cost averaging or maybe even waiting and say till the 10 year gets to 3% or something like that and then start to go in? What would you recommend as far as bond money that's sitting in cash? Okay. And how long has it been sitting in cash and what are the sources of the dollars? Uh, Most of the dollars are in my IRA. There are some taxable. Um, how long have they been well, sitting in cash? Oh, uh, half of it for six months, maybe a year. I'm 30% in cash overall in my portfolio. And, and what and caused what it, it, what caused it to go into the cash six months or a year ago? Oh, I've been waiting for a correction that hasn't come. 
God. So it came, so it came from equities. You sold equities. Yeah. Well, no, I've, I actually recently sold my bond funds uh, to capture my capital gains. So I got rid of my muni and my uh, intermediate terms, thinking they're not going to go much farther. Now I'm ready to start getting them back in to the same portfolio. What, do you, same, th- you know, what do you think you should do? So is it dollar cost average or wait and then go in later? And what's the length of the uh, maturities on the bonds, the, the duration, if you will? Oh, well, normally I go, I'm working with uh, ETFs. And, and what? Uh, intermediate term. I've got a short-term bond fund, uh, two intermediates, one government, one taxable or tax-free, and then a, a high-yield bond fund. I would probably lean towards dollar cost averaging. Over what period of time, David? I would make it an extended period of time. You're doing I mean, that because you you wouldn't have done what he did in the first place. Well, regardless, I mean, I would do it over probably at least a couple years, maybe longer. How big is the portfolio? I don't know if that's relevant, though. Well, 30% is what we're talking about. Yeah. We're talking about 30% of your portfolio, right? Yeah, but only only about, you know, bonds will end up being, well, I use the bucket strategy, so about uh, 40, 30% will be in bonds. And do you have any debt? When, I, when I'm done. Do you have any debt? Pardon me? Do you have any debt? No. You're completely no, I, debt. No debt. I'm going to go with uh, David on this. I'm going to go with David on this. I'd probably, Dollar cost? Yeah. You know, it, we look, we, I had this conversation I mean, you earlier may, you today. May wait, you may wait for a 10-year to get to three, and instead of three, you see something that starts with a decimal point. Yeah. And what, what yeah. is it, David, what percentage of the uh, all – Bonds in the world, government-backed bonds that are trading at well, a percentage. Ne- I'm not sure, but 17 trillion that are negative. That are negative, roughly in in the global economy, which is just an unheard of. Right, right. That's, that's what I'm saying. Is you may wait a long time and, like I said, see a, a decimal point uh, first figure, uh, yeah. as opposed to the three. Yeah, which means that you uh, not only. Uh, didn't capture uh, you captured some long-term gain, but you left some uh, tremendous amounts on the table. If we actually see uh, interest rates go that low. So uh, yeah. yeah. So we, we, the idea that we know, or that we, you know, obviously there's times when their market appears to have more risk than other times. And maybe you shorten the maturities on the bonds in order to, 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 to go against that. But in order to uh, keep the risk profile, uh, low, which was your objective in the first place. I I agree with David. You should um, you should actually do it over a twenty four month period. So the uh, you are listening to the All Worse Money Matters. We are here each and every weekend, either on your podcast and or your radio, and we appreciate you joining. If you'd like to uh, learn more about Allworth, go to allworthfinancial.com. Allworthfinancial.com. Thanks for listening. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.